yeah, let's let's jump in because we've got a lot of near this time to catch up on. Uh, we left off with the Forest Kingdom. Um, I was realizing that I don't really know why we're going to the Forest Kingdom, uh, except that Pascal tells us to, or tells us that it might be interesting for us to go there. Do you yeah, guys have we were, why? Yeah. We were looking for ro uh, robots off the network, uh, okay. like Pascal's village. And they said to go to the Forest Kingdom. I forget exactly why we're looking uh, for more robots that are off the grid, so to speak. Uh, but but that was our motivation. Yeah, I think it, it does have a little bit to do with more of that like reconnaissance stuff. Um, like when when you're sent back down to to get closer to Pascal, figure out what his deal is for your your bosses on on the bunker. Um, the suggestion is, you know, they don't trust him and, and that you're sort of mm -hmm. spying on him for them. Um, so doing this for Pascal is kind of an even better way to learn more about the machines, like seeing how they function when off the network, you know, just as Pascal and his little pacifistic community um, is a rogue uh, machine colony. So this one seems to be another one. Um, and he mentions that the, the other one that we've encountered at this point is the, the amusement park. The, the opera singer was off-network um, and posed a danger as a consequence. So chances are these, these forest dwellers also pose a danger to all the machines in the area. Yeah, it seems like the songstress was sort of creating her own network almost um, among the kidnapped, uh, sequestered androids, right? And uh, controlling them yeah yeah so that's kind of curious to me uh the did you go back and um collect all those yeah. like weren't, weren't you collecting some something at one point um and you had to go back and talk to all the ones that you talked to already and collect something is that uh, is it the, sorry like the, the photo oh the letters i can't remember <laughs> is that what it was yeah i think yeah maybe was the stuff for Jean Paul? I forget. Yeah, I, know, I don't know. Like you have to, you have to get the letters or the the stuff from his various admirers, bring them to Jean Paul. At which point he dismisses them all outright, and then you have to bring him or bring them his response. Um, which in every case, it's like he dismissed you outright, and he thinks you're stupid. And the and the girl in question is always like, "Oh, he's so dreamy." Um, like, of course, it was garbage. Yes, I should have thought of that. Like, and then you go back and, and John Paul has disappeared, you know, sartred himself. Oh, so he's gone? Yeah, he disappears after this. Like, you go back to see him and, and the, the robot who's, like, hanging out with him says that, yeah, he just got, like, left babbling something about self-actualization or something. <laughs> He's a, he's actually the end boss of the game, so he does, he does make, he makes an appearance. He comes back, twist ending. really He had some kind of connection to the songstress. It seems like based on that image. Uh, okay, so so you're doing the, uh, the the low tech networking of carrying letters back and forth. You're going completely off the grid now to follow up with this lead about the Forest Kingdom. Uh, and 
then as Corey points out in your post from last time, the head of the one uh, robot that you're fighting there um, is the game designer's uh, logo kind of thing, right? It's like his weird helmet that he wears. Is that going to be explained at some point, or is that just a Easter egg? I think that's just what it is. I, I think like every one of the near games has this character appear, and the head is a character. Um, like he has his entirely independent identity. Um, even like when you when you meet it, you're you're just fighting through. You know, you get another wave of bad guys, and the head splits open to reveal this like stone face robot something that then talks to you and gets really upset and like rolls away really quickly and bashes through the gate and allows you to proceed. Um, so I, I think it's it's less of a it, like I want to say that it's non-diegetic in its way. Like it, it's you know the the developer reaching into the game from outside of it. Um, and thus probably isn't going to get an explanation, though there is more to discover there. Yeah, and I thought there was somebody wearing that hat in the village, too. Um, uh, the, there's the where... Yeah, those are just like the standard robot helmets, uh, more akin to the robots that we've been encountering. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the head, the Yokotaro head... Um, I don't know if it really gets explained, but you can run into it later in the game. Nice. Nice. Uh, okay, so that's a weird thing. I mean, there's also... I don't know. The, the robots in the forest seem different, again, from any of the robots we've really encountered so far. Um, seem to attack you in, like, little, little cohorts or, like, a phalanx of of guys all, all um, forming their little, yeah, their, their little troop together. Uh, they seem really gung-ho about this uh, and want to, you know, prevent you from going a, a step further into their territory. Mm -hmm. um, so how are we to understand that if they're, they're not on the network and yet they seem in a way the most you know, connected of any robots we've, we've encountered. Yeah, I think, you know, up until this point, we've, we've encountered sort of the machines at various stages of their development. Like we, we saw the, the sort of root fear and flight responses of the, the desert tribe. Um, we saw the, you know, just in it for the hedonism, you know, amusement park folk. Um, and now we're seeing something rather more sophisticated, like these machines are territorial, which, you know, it isn't just like territorial in the sense that the tribe is scared and protecting the, the people that, you know, the, the women and children machines like we see, you know, when we actually get into the city, um, yeah. but, but they they perceive this to be their land. You are trespassing over their borders. Um, they attack you, like you say, in, in these groups, like whole lines of them that just charge at you. And you've got these mounted units that are apparently doing, like barking all the commands. Um, and, you know, we, we associate this with the castle that we're sort of approaching. 
Um, oh, and there, right. And there's something very medieval logic about this whole thing. Um, and they keep mentioning as they charge you, you know, for the king, we have to protect the king. Um, and 9S even mentions at one point, you know, how can a machine understand a concept like loyalty? Um, so that's kind of our buzzword for today. Like, we, we've seen machines protecting themselves, protecting their families. We've seen them, you know, out for their own enjoyment. But this is the first time that we're seeing the machines behaving selflessly, at least insofar as they see themselves as, you know, as vassals, as loyal to a higher figure arbitrarily chosen. Um, mm. You know, the, the idea that there can be a king of the machines, itself a machine, you know, and that not be Adam or Eve or, you know, one of these, like, obviously different sort of sort of machine life forms, um, that should give us pause here. Like, that's, that's the sort of question that we're wrestling with. Yeah, and the uh, the mounted, you know, they're they're sort of like centaurs, aren't they? Yeah, um, I, I think they are. Riding like riders on top of machine horses or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's like, yeah, it's it's basically like a machine horse. Yeah, um, you, that they're riding. So so it's two separate robots. It's not yeah. one that's like oh. merged together. Yeah, you can take out the horse, and they'll they'll like attack you on the ground. Likewise, you can take out the rider and the horse will just self-destruct. Um, and th this is not the first time we've seen machine life forms that don't go in for the, the sort of normal humanoid kind of design. You know, you, yeah. you spend enough time fishing and you find machine fish. So I guess <laughs> there's a whole machine animal kingdom now. Um, yeah. Interesting. No, I, I was wondering because I was wondering if it's possible to to get uh you know a, a moose or a wild boar or something and use it against these troops. Like what what's your strategy against these uh, organized defenders of the castle? Um, fortunately, they're not too terribly strong. Like you can you know basically just crowd control them, um, especially because again I'm like packing my really awesome like wave attack, so I hit everybody all at once. Um, you can, I think, I don't remember it, like, I know you can't ride animals over the bridge into the forest area from the city proper. I'm trying to, I think you can actually ride the moose and stuff that you find in the forest. So you can, you know, try your hand at jousting if you are really keen <laughs> on it. Um, but it's not a terribly effective strategy. Like, you actually are fairly limited in your ability to attack from moose back. Um, so it's probably just I, Yeah, I, I, also, I don't even know, like, I don't think you have to fight many of them, if any. I mean, I think you could just run away if you really wanted to, and yeah. just, like, proceed to the castle. There might be a couple right before the castle that you have to fight, I'm not sure, because there's, like, a cutscene there, but... Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess you could just stealthily avoid them, or just run through them with the the moose or the boar. Yeah, as, as much as they seem organized and cooperating, they are kind of hampered by this. Um, so, like, there are a couple of times where you'll wander into a clearing and see, you know, they're very obviously training. 
Um, and you've got some lieutenant being like, take him again! And they're like charging these these dummies with, with their spears. Um, and you can, as Steve says, you can just sort of sneak around them and it doesn't become a problem. Or even if you do, like, run directly through, there's this moment of panic and organization where the machines are trying to get into their phalanx, their, their lines, you know, just as yeah. the, their commander orders. And you can use that time to just get out of dodge. Like, the, there's actually a certain amount of weakness to their organization. Um, you know, kind of the way that you, you think of, like, the, the heavy infantry getting, you know, completely baffled by a, a quick cavalry unit or light infantry that can move really fast and perform maneuvers much more quickly. Um, since it's just you and 9S, you can change your tactics way faster than they can, and it's, they are slow to adapt as a consequence. That's interesting, yeah. I'm realizing now that they... Don't seem to have projectiles. Uh, there is that big, that big like hockey goalie who's like jumping and creates uh, earthquake waves at you. Um, but that's, that's oh, it spins his yeah. arms. Yeah, yeah. but yes. none of them have a gun or missiles or anything good like that. And all the flying units are missing. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like we we've seen the flying units in just about every area we've been to at this point. Uh, but they are very noticeably absent until you get into the castle itself. So you can... Uh, you know, it, it, as we're discussing this, it kind of just like dawned on me, you know, like how absurd the machines practicing their, their phalanx on those dummies. I mean, I don't... I mean, I guess we've seen that Adam and Eve can learn. Um, my question is, does, the, does this practice... Hey, and you know, are are these machines actually getting better at attack? Like, why are they practicing? <laughs> yeah. um, it seems probably like a futile exercise, but maybe they're just trying to mimic human behavior or something like that. Kind of. Well, um, I mean, those are the questions we've been dealing with this whole time. You know, there's like even at the very beginning when we were in the desert, nine asked was like, are they aren't they just emulating human behavior? Is it? just is it actually fear is it actually you know protectiveness or are they just doing what humans do um so here you know the question can they learn obviously they're behaving in a way that is radically different from the other machines we've seen something is causing them to be like that though it's kind of hard to identify what um maybe it's you know some cracked machine with some like error in the programming or maybe it's something they all share or maybe there is the possibility that they are learning that they are developing strategy again this does seem like an advancement over what we've seen before that the the machine civilizations we're running into are getting gradually more and more sophisticated as the game goes on i wonder yeah if they are training uh, and they've been like doing this sort of automatically for a while, or if this would, in in some you know indefinite point, like emerge into yet more complex behavior. Right? They would learn to use their cavalry more efficiently, or something like that. Right? Um, so, okay. So, what do you think? I mean, are they um, are are they the like 
Roman Empire here? Are they the, uh, I don't know, some sort of like dynasty? Um, is there is there a particular analog that we should be thinking about? I mean, when I, like, I think of, you know, the the chivalrous knights of, you know, the round table or, or the sort of European uh, knightly orders, like the, the Templar or, you know, the Hospitaliers or and the Crusaders, sort of. Um, and I think I'm right to think that. Like, as much as I'm always cautious whenever I'm playing a Japanese game and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm reading my Western assumptions into it, um, there's definitely more organization like you would expect from a Western um, sort of, like, medieval uh, civilian and, or rather, foot soldier and uh, cavalry unit than I would expect from, like, the samurai um, in feudal Japan at the same time. Um, and plus the castle is very Western-styled. Um, right. So, again, like, all the, all the imagery that I'm seeing, even down to the, the use of the word king, um, which I don't know if that's a like how much of a translation that is or, or what the original word in Japanese might be. Um, but if we're thinking king, not daimyo, not shogun, not emperor, um, I suspect we are sort of being inclined to think of this in, in a Western sense. And I, th I think that that's intentional. I think the, the feudalism, um, the sort of medieval government structure is is what we're we're sort of meant to think here, um, especially because it is, again, awkward and kind of incompetent and not all that functional. Um, like I think we're supposed to think that as well, um, to sort of see this as you know as ill fated and ill advised as any one of the Crusades were. <laughs> yeah. And that makes them, a, in a weird way, sympathetic also, because they are so, you know, incompetent and, and they're doomed uh, against your superior firepower. Um, so, also, uh, I mean, the most egregious example of that right, is when you finally meet the king, it's a, a baby robot again. It's, yeah. it's a, like a larval little guy. Uh, and, but there is, right before that, there is a definite Japanese uh, like reference thrown in, in the person of the uh, smith. Mm -hmm. uh, the master smith is um, Masamune, right? So there's, there's like a famous um, Japanese sword maker, uh, like a legendary figure that's, that's name dropped there. Uh, and it's a hidden thing, I guess, but it's it's interesting, I guess, that that's just kind of slipped in uh, amidst all of the rest of this. So I don't know if that's you know a side quest, um, if that's just sort of again another like extra thing that you can go after. But that uh, the weapon maker there tells you about like some legendary weapons that have been scattered around. Um, yeah, is it? There, there were or hits, the rack or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, but there, wait, say that. Wait, what? Would you say, Wes? Does he say there's like a, a set of four white and four black weapons scattered around? Yeah. So we've already found the four white ones in our playthrough. Um, right. Two of them are like the the swords that you start 
one of them was the lance and then we while we were tra traversing through the forest to get to the forest kingdom we found the uh bracers i forget what their name is but yeah. so we have the complete set of that nice. yeah the, but i guess the you know yeah. just just to go back yeah so the the smith in the kingdom um if you talk to some of the robots in the uh pascal city the the one guy who sells you weapons like talks about this guy um, oh, okay so so he is hinted at um yeah then uh, yeah I think the, yeah. at least the Smith of the Resistance camp as well, like if you talk to him and you try and get your weapon upgraded past like the third level, he's like, well, I can't do that, but there's a rumor that someone might be able to do that. So yeah. this is this is the guy who can upgrade your weapons to the final level. Um, so, okay, so he's kind of hanging out there. Um, other things about the castle, I don't know. It, it made me think of like a Castlevania type game like it seems to really echo that side-scrolling type of gameplay quite a bit the whole you know secrets uh, that are hidden around um, is, is reminiscent of that too and just like the style of the the design of the whole place um, it's a lot of a lot of bricks there's an awful lot of bricks in this castle that made me start to think about like how much attention to detail these uh, these games require, and like the ways in which you can sort of like tile things uh, to to fill up space at a certain point. Um, and I don't know if it was like they were I don't know, running out of time for this section or something, but it seemed significantly less distinctive than you know the amusement park, which is got a ton of sort of loving detail that goes into it um i don't know did, did the castle feel underwhelming to you all as well i know um i find it less memorable for sure than you know either the desert area or the amusement park area or even like the the overgrown cityscape um you know we've been in ruined castles like you said you know every castlevania game brings us to another ruined castle um it's a fairly popular setting. Like every Final Fantasy game has had its fair share of ruined castles. Um, but I, th I think you know, despite that, you know, as much as the game sort of deliberately apes the the side scroller, you know, you get the the whole two D camera angle and you're you're hopping through rooms the way that you would in a, in a Castlevania or something. Um, there are some really great moments in this section, like less about the environment and more about how it's used. Um, so, you know, obviously you're running into enemies all throughout the castle. They seem to, to pretty consistently spawn outside of wherever you are at any given moment. Um, but there are also certain rooms where, you know, you'll encounter like groups of machines doing various things. Like there's, there's one room where you drop through the ceiling and there's like a conference table and they're all standing around having a conversation about you, like you, the, the interloper, the, the person who has transgressed upon their borders and they're trying to like figure out what, how are they going to plan for this? How are they going to, you know, repel the invaders and you're literally dropping in on their table. So, you know, on the one hand it's, more evidence of their incompetence and their organization literally getting in the way of their ability to deal with you. But on the other hand, there's something really 
again, sophisticated about this, that, you know, you have a council of strategists, a bunch of generals sitting at their round table and trying to, you know, plan out their next move. Um, and to some degree, it sounds silly. Like, don't they have, like, a wireless connection or something? Like, they, they're sophisticated pieces of machinery. Presumably, you know, they could do this without all of the, you know, obstacles that humans have been dealing with for centuries, you know? If, if they wanted to create a strategy, why do they need a committee? Um, and yet, this is something that they have now. Um, the other thing that I think of is, you know, there, there's at least one room where there are several machines that are tasked specifically to protect the chest. Um, and, you know, they, they won't attack you. You can hear them talking to each other, but they, they won't actually attack you in, until you find them and track down the chest and, you know, deal with them yourself. Um, there's that big, like, central room on the far end of the castle where you have to, like, go up the ladders and, and all that stuff. Um, which, you know, it serves for a puzzle in its own right, since you can only reach some parts of the room from certain areas and gotta go up or down in order to go left or right in some cases. Um, but most of all, I think of, you get to that, to the save point right outside of the, the royal chambers, and there's that last stand um, yeah. when they all just fling themselves at you, and you know, it starts with just one or two machines, and then it turns into this just mad mob of, you know, them just attacking you with anything that they've got. Like, all semblance of order forgotten and lost. Just this desperation um, to try and, you know, try and keep you from getting to their king. Um, and then, of course, it's revealed that it's just a child, an infant. Like, and there's something so sort of absurd about the whole thing, top to bottom. Um, and I think, you know, again, for all that the castle is this very played out, very trite location, um, I think it really gets at something when you finally stride into that room and see this baby there and you realize, you know, how often in European history people were willing to fight and die and give their lives and desperately struggle and, you know, how many people have, like, died on the steps of the royal chambers to protect someone so obviously unfit to rule. Um, <laughs> and, you know, loyalty was the key word that 9S mentioned. But loyalty to what in this case? Like, how ridiculous is it that all of these you know, adult functioning machines are willing to fight and die and just throw away their lives for the sake of this, you know, this baby. Um, what's the point? And, well, you don't have much time to really think through either because there's a real <laughs> twist there. Yep. The other, drop, the other android, you know, drops it from the ceiling much as you just did to them, right? So you're kind of uh, taken aback by this yeah. decisive assassination. Um, and so this is, I think, a pretty interesting twist in the game to introduce what seems like probably a pretty important character at this point. Um, is it A2? Is that her name? Yeah. Okay. 
So A2, 2B. She's like clearly like your alter ego here. Um, and her uh, her battle is kind of an echo of the fight you, you had against uh, Adam and Eve down in, in deep underground. Um, only she is sort of moving uh, oh, around the screen and outside the screen in ways that you're not allowed to. So she's sort of like breaking the rules of the game uh, in ways that you're not sort of privy to. Yeah, um, it, it's it's kind of striking and, and sort of uncomfortable insofar as like up until this point, you know, the, the whole strategy of playing this game has been to see moves coming and, and strategically avoid them or, you know, attack at certain tactical moments. Um, and this fight, by contrast, A2 constantly takes you off guard. You never see her coming. Um, like, the, the camera is still fixed in that 2D perspective, and she is so frequently off-screen that you just kind of have to anticipate when she's going to, you know, run at you from the left or right or drop in from the ceiling. Um, it, it's a, like, I died on that fight, I want to say, at least twice. It was, it was rough. Um, until I kind of got the hang of her rhythms and, and could anticipate what, what she was doing at any given moment. Um, but yeah, it, it does it does suggest that we're dealing with something we haven't dealt with before, which makes sense. You know, this is our first time fighting an android. Um, mm -hmm. Up until now, it's always been machines or Adam and Eve with their strange quasi-machininess. But what's more, A2 isn't just an android, she's a rogue. Like, she's not connected to you. She is no longer, you know, networked. And you even get that warning. You know, before you even go to the forest, you, you get the little email that's like, hey, there's some rogue, you know, androids hanging around. Watch out for them and, and you know, get rid of them when you get the opportunity. And then when you finally reach A2, um, you actually don't start by fighting her. Um, and you can walk away from the fight, um, except you get a message that says that's your enemy, like you have to go attack her. Um, oh, and, interesting. And 9S will charge her unless you have him set to passive, um, which I did this time around just to see. Um, but then, and this is probably the weirdest and most off-putting part of the whole ordeal, if you do get into that fight and you don't attack her and you try to walk away, like if you walk right across the screen, like as though you're walking out of the room, you will see the same ring around 2B and 9S as you see whenever you hack something. Um, huh. Like, remember way back when we fought the Goliath in the prologue and you, like, get to steal his arm and it's got the ring around it and you use it to, like, yeah. beat it. Um, and it's the same ring that's around your swords. If you try and walk away from this fight, you will not be allowed to go farther than a certain point and the ring will appear around you to indicate that you, too, are being controlled. Yeah. No, so I take that to mean... You're pushing at the limits of like the player's control on the avatar or something. Yeah, like uh, you know, anytime that you're in a situation like this and a video game wants you to do a certain thing, like you're not allowed to leave the arena, you know, they'll put up the gates or you know, you'll have that thing in Zelda where like the, the wall 
or like the door is blocked during the duration of the boss fight, um, <laughs> or they'll just throw up an invisible wall. Um, in this case, it is an invisible wall, but it's characterized so differently, as though 2B or and 9S lack the agency in this situation. Like, it's not a matter of the game is preventing you, it's a matter of you have been programmed to fight this being, and there's no way out of it. Cute little touch. I thought so. And, I'm surprised well, I mean, you didn't get a game over. Yeah, that would have been a great moment for one of those random, yeah. you know, weirdo game overs. Uh, but no, yeah. you, you, you are forced to fight in this case. And if you lose, it's just a... It's just a normal yeah, death. It's, it's just your normal game over screen. Um, but if you win, I mean, you don't defeat this android. She just, at a certain point, stops fighting, uh, delivers some sort of cryptic message, and escapes, right? Yeah. Um, she basically says not to trust command. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Which I think we're probably aware of that at this point. Um, but what's her agenda? Like, what is she doing? Uh, assassinating the king of the forest? Like, that that doesn't make sense to me. Why she would bother doing that? It doesn't seem um, to. Um, and there's something, you know, again, very absurd about the way that it happens. Like, she just, you know, jumps out of the sky, Sephiroth style, and pales this thing. <laughs> and then she picks up the sword, and she's got the machine, like, impaled on it like a kebab or something. She's got to, like, knock it off um it's just weird and grotesque like because you know the it's another one of those moments where the sound design was so good but like when you see the little king baby it makes these like adorable cute little machine like cooing noises um and just out of nowhere just like positively impaled and then just like kicked off um it's rough um, so, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's really hard to see why A2 would be invested at all, especially because, you know, again, we just got through. That's why you guys were going, right? That's what your intention was going in there, was to take, assassinate the king in the first place? Is that correct? Not really. I mean, Pascal doesn't give you any explicit instructions. He's just like, hey, there's a bunch of, you know, machines that are out of network, you know, you're not responsible to kill the, the baby. It's just you're going in to oh, see what the baby is. There. Yeah. Like he, oh, okay. And when you approach it, 9S isn't even sure what to do. Like, you go up to it and he's like, it's it's just a, a baby? Like, he, there's no move on the part of either 2B or 9S to kill it. Like, that doesn't even seem to cross their mind. But then 2A just jumps in and does it. Or A2, I should say. Well, yeah, it it seems like she's helping command if she's taking out machines, right? Like, that's the sort of surface level that I'm confused about right now. Mm -hmm. um, if she doesn't trust command, then why is she helping them, I guess? Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, um, as, you, as you leave, it's another one of these cases where it turns out, like, everything is right next to each other, right? Like, you jump out of the top of the castle, and you're back at the start. Um, you go through another gate, and you're back at the. This is back at the forest, or uh, the uh, Pascal's the, village. The yeah, the pacifist village again. So, 
that's cool. Um, and then I guess uh, I'm a, again unclear on the transition, but our next move is to go and like rescue uh, a big carrier out at out at sea. Well, I think before. Okay, yeah. Be yeah. Well, before we did that, you know, I I, I think it's worth mentioning that. Um, 9s who's kind of been uh i don't know very loyal to to command i think starts having his doubts because he contacts pascal and is like hey like yeah. we can't transmit this to you like we're gonna come and like transfer our data because he he's becoming a little bit skeptical um about command and he notices how weird it is that like a2 was there uh, killing the machine, and that's you know, command is the one that betrayed you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so maybe that moment of seeing the vulnerable king and then it getting killed is is a, a learning moment for uh, 9s. Uh, and I'm not sure about 2b again, she's keeps her cards pretty close to the chest all the time, but. Um, okay, so then, what's Pascal's she did response? Call, uh, nine S nines almost. Yeah, at, at one point during the the move through the castle, um, she 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 says something like nine, and nine S is like, "You did it! You called me nine S!" And and she's like, "No, I didn't." And he says, "But no, I heard it." And she says. Obviously, she refuses to, you know, let him have the satisfaction. So, um, but yeah, yeah, but we all we all know the truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was cute. It is, yeah. Uh, so, what is? I don't know. Is is Pascal the one who sends you out to to rescue the ship, or is it um, another transmission from command? I'm not remembering. But. I think it's another transmission um, because I believe the other there's other fleets of, of androids um, that you see when when you get to the coast. Um, so I'm pretty I 99 percent sure is like a from command. Yeah, oh, that, no, that makes sense. So, so you're back in sort of a like a flight mission this time, um, and you have this other a team around you kind of for the first time since the very start of the game, right? Um, that there's other uh, flight units that, uh, that are supposed to be helping. Um, but this is kind of just a straight action sequence. There isn't, uh, there, there isn't really any exploration to this part. Uh, and at least in our playthrough, it took quite a while to defeat the various portions of this like boss or boss rush however you want to think about it um admittedly so i think i was using the wrong pod program which okay. i guess now that we're in the flooded city uh the third pod is kind of like off the pier um and it's like a laser it's kind of like a ghostbusters uh, gun, you know, with the the whip, or you know, that kind of goes around. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to 
Which, I, which we did um, quite a few times yeah. while we were battling that giant Goliath uh, machine. It was pretty epic of a machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's like an ancient machine, too. It's huge. Yeah, it's like to the Goliath what the Goliath is to a normal robot, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it was like sunk out there during a previous war or something, right? There's like a whole sort of backstory to this super Goliath. Um, why is it waking up now? What what triggered this? Do we not know? I suspect we don't know at this point. Yeah. Although it's kind of hard not to wonder if Adam and Eve were hanging around behind the scenes on this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they do tend to be involved in things that come out of the deep, I guess. Well, plus, um, I, I think this one is, in fact, still part of the network. Um, mm. As dormant as it may have been, we're, we don't get the same sort of, you know, discussion that we, we've gotten about the machines that are sort of separate. Um, so, you know, any, any machine that is not part of a designated separate from the network community like Pascal's pacifists or the knights of the forest probably are still hooked up to the network. And it seems that Adam and Eve are, are products of and intimately connected to that network. Um, so they may very well be the masterminds at this point. Yeah. And uh, its particular power is has to do with like deactivating electronics, right? It's like uh, this electromagnetic weapon mm -hmm. that it can use to um, basically just like turn off other machines, it seems like. Um, so your, your task in the fight is really to go around to all the different, you know, generators or, or emitters of this... Um, electromagnetic pulse and and basically destroy them all um so it's not like you're fighting it directly for most of the battle you're sort of taking out all of its little appendages and apps and whatnot uh yes all of so, his conveniently you know bright yellow uh weak spots yep, all the hard um you know just yep it's, it's always nice that they do that yep it sounds like poor uh machine design <laughs> like this. This is the weak spot. Yeah, yeah you know, just highlight it. Yeah, no, Telegraph. Right, right. Yeah, big glowing red spot. And this battle does the same kind of thing with the camera. That like you're a lot of times they're fighting against the camera more so than fighting against the the enemy. Um, like trying to tell whether things are possible to attack. Like even though they. They're clearly indicating that you should attack this thing. Like, is it actually on the plane where your bullets can reach it, you know, or, or is it not? Um, so, I don't know. This seemed like a hard fight as well uh, for all of the, the reasons there. But uh, as you're getting through it, there's a couple of um, your favorite thing here, Steve, the quick time events, right? You have to, like, fire some um, missiles. From well, I don't, yeah, I don't think that those are true quick time events because uh, okay. I don't think you can do it wrong. Um, you just kind of like <laughs> shoot it whenever. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, you're battling, and then I don't know if that's before or after Pascal comes to help you, um, <laughs> since he is 
so old apparently uh he like remembers when this machine you know he kind of gives the exposition um about the yeah. origin of the machine and what it's capable of but yeah so then yeah you you're fighting get it weak and then you start shooting missiles into its mouth um <laughs> classic it is I, it's so great yeah, go ahead. What happens with nine but, here? Poor nine. I mean, poor nine's kind of had it coming. Uh, I mean, he's just a scanner unit. Why is he getting involved in battle? Oh, that's right. That's another good thing to, to mention is during the battle when nine S like kind of leaves you because he has another plan. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how quick command is like take nine at nine S out. Like he he's deserting the battle. Uh, okay. you know, he's now a threat, like, destroy him immediately. Um, Speaking of loyalty. And two, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I think, isn't that the point at which Pascal pops in to be, like, your support? Or is he, or is he come while Nine's, 9S is still there? That's what I don't, I don't remember the, the events here either, but um, that was kind of what I thought was going on, like, for whatever reason, you're never like allowed to be alone. There always has to be like a little buddy robot um, helping you out. Uh, yeah, but so you have the pods and the yeah, well, naturally, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but isn't Nine's plan? I mean, basically, just to do the missile thing again, but better, like. I don't, I don't know that it's like that. Is there that much of an innovation this this time around? I no. Yeah. I don't, it, think, I, I don't think so. It it seems like you are just um, kind of playing uh, interference and uh, attracting the the machine's attention, sort of. Um, but then. In the explosion, it seems to kind of take out everybody, uh, like all of the units that are defending the ship. Uh, the ship itself is is totaled, um, and somehow you survive, which I don't know, not terribly clear on. Um, you wash up back uh, back on land and. You're sort of like, yeah, really, I guess, alone um, for the first time in the game. I, I mean, yeah, you still have your pod, but you don't have Pascal, you don't have 9S, uh, and you're just kind of trying to figure out uh, the fallout from this battle. Uh, it's a weird moment. Because you, you have been encountering other fallen androids all along, but now it becomes your sort of explicit you know, mission to go and see what everyone is, uh, like where everyone is after the battle. So it's, a, it's an interesting kind of story beat here. I, again, I don't really understand, I guess, some of the drama of 9S's, you know, uh, going rogue here and, and doing his own thing. Uh, but, anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's actually fairly intentional on the part of, of the game here. Like, 
you know, as much as as we've kept saying, 2B very much keeps her, her cards close to the chest. She's very aloof. Um, 9S is the one that's, you know, always kind of pushing the boundaries. Uh, like, 2B is just, you know, what are my orders? Okay, I will go do the thing. 9S mm -hmm. is the one who always complicates things. Um, you know, even if he is more loyal to command than to be in a sort of direct sense, he still, you know, can't even do one of the simpler jobs without sort of finding it necessary to comment and question and sort of interrogate. Ask why. Yeah. Like, even as early as the desert, he's the one that's pointing out, you know, they're, they're just... They're just copying things, and he's getting less and less sure of himself with every successive mission. Two um, B is still just let's do the job, let's you know follow orders. Nine S is the one that's gradually becoming more and more suspicious, more and more aware um, of the possible implications of what's happening around us. Um, so for him to suddenly go rogue, you know, from Two B's perspective. That's all it is. Like, 9S has lost it, and while we do have that connection to him, we're not going to have any insight about why he's doing what he's doing. Um, he's always been, you know, doing something that 2B can't necessarily understand. Um, now it's just explicit. Now it's just actually a, you know, thing in the game that he is not there, that we can only extrapolate where he's at. Um, now we're on our own. We got to make our own decisions, and I think that's important for where we're at. Like at this point, they have become close again, much like we saw in the prologue. Now it's time to see what that means. Um, whether or not that's actually something Tubi is going to weigh and take seriously, or if she's going to ignore it and just keep on following orders. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It. So, I don't know. This. I guess Steve, you're saying this part of the game uh, turns off some side quests for a while, or is that not quite yet? Uh, I think. I forget exactly when. Yeah, I think it's right after the flooded city that a lot of the side missions. Um, yeah, they they go away. You you have to do them later. Um, on like kind of your next playthrough. So in the way the game is like narrowing itself back down again after it had sort of opened up for a little while there. Um, yeah, yeah. We're now back on a pretty linear path. Yeah, uh, and uh, that, I don't know how much should we play talk about rather for for next time. Um, Trying to remember. Um, I think this is where we end up meeting up with Adam and Eve again. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say let's get to get to the next boss fight, which I think is is them again. Um, and you know, now that there are no side quests, we don't have to worry about that getting in the way as well. Um, I'm trying to remember if how much is after that though. Uh, yeah, I know. We I think. Well, I don't think I know. We we did play through the next boss fight. Um, okay. Because it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty quick after. It's not like it. Well, it took a long time because I suck. But, um, <laughs> but you know, you can kind of 
go to that fight almost like immediately after. Um, let me see just if I can find the chapters. You mean that fight where he like uh, disconnected from the server or whatever? See, that's yes. why I was confused about I thought it had something to do with the network, but then I was wondering if I was getting confused with what the boss, I can't remember if it's Adam or Eve, tells you about you know, their role in controlling the network. Um, which, yeah, Ben is on target with that. Uh, you know. Oh, man. Okay, so I think after, uh, you know, we, we see um, Adam again, after that, we have to go to the factory. Um, I mean, we're 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 in the end game. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I don't want to like give it away, but you Ben, you know, like yeah, what I, happens I at the factory. The um, yeah. Okay, let's let's uh, stop it, Adam Eve's boss fight next time because I suspect that'll actually give us quite a bit to talk about. Um, and then I believe we'll only have one more session uh, before think- the first ending like the first A and day or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that that sounds right. Okay. Um, I love seeing the bigger picture, so I'm, you know, eager to get there. But I guess it's only relative. It's it's the bigger picture within the first, what, quarter of the game or something. So. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else have you all been up to lately? I mean... Working, like, playing so video it's not games. Just like yeah, one thing the whole time. What? What's Corey? About this game, um, it's like four playthroughs or something like that. Like, the way Ben was I just describing like it. How it's not like just one. Yeah, we're. Um, I think we're. Like, once we hit the, the end of... I, I just like that. Yeah. I'm also a big fan. Um, but yeah, when, once we once we hit the end of, of our first section here, I think we'll be about a third of the way through. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I think the next third goes, goes a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, so in terms of... I think in terms of like story, it's obviously like this is the first third, and then the next third, and then the final third. Yep. Um, but appa- apparently, like when people bought this game originally, they didn't realize that there was because the credits roll after oh, you yeah. get like quite a few, and, and so like quit pe- after A and called it a day and never saw the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, in my version, it says you know there's like a letter from Square Enix um, afterwards that basically says you know please play this game again. Like you haven't experienced the full story. Like this right. is intended to be played more than once. Like open up your save file again. Yep. That's awesome. So, so yeah, we've got the A section, we've got the B section, which we retreads a lot of the same old ground. Um, so, you know, I, I suspect as much as it may take us a, like roughly the same amount of time to play it game time, we probably won't need nearly as much time to discuss it. Um, and then C is all new territory, so like that we'll want to discuss in great detail. 
Cool. Okay. Yeah, there's. I'm sure there's um, a few different ways we could approach it, but I like I like the plan. I'm happy with it. I think we should stick to it. Uh, right on. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, just yeah, anything else going on? Anything else new with y'all? Uh, what's the what's the con Kentucky Zero Hour? Oh, Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, Thank that's you. it. Yeah, I have played the first four acts, but I haven't played the new one since it dropped like last year. Yeah, I just yeah. bought it for the Switch and I started playing it. But I think I started like I started at like twelve o'clock at night, and it was just that's kind I had of no idea exactly what was going the on. right time to to do it. Actually, <laughs> oh okay, well it's um, good to know. I guess I'll per I'll persevere. Yeah, yeah, the surrealism is intentional on their part. Um, Wes, you played that one, didn't you? Or... Yeah, same. I, I got through what was available at the time, uh, but I only became aware that it was all done when Steve told me, because he texted me the other day, like, yeah. Uh, and since Nintendo is, you know, allowing it on their hardware, I figured, yeah, it must be completely finished and yep. perfect at this point. <laughs> what is well, it? it was... Uh, Kentucky Zero... Um... Oh, man, it's been in development for like ten years at this point. Um, it, it's a it's a little indie like adventure game, or at least sort of styled after one, um, set in Kentucky on this imaginary road, Route Zero, which does not obey physical law, um, and may very well be a parable about like death and the afterlife, and who even knows. Um, mm -hmm. but it's got this fantastic soundtrack and some really stunning visual design. Like it's gorgeous to look through and play, even if you are scratching your head the whole time, wondering what the heck is going on. Um, so again, persevere, Steve, <laughs> like it's uh, not going to get any clearer. Uh, um, yeah. Are you going to yeah. be, are you going to be streaming any of it by chance? Uh, well, I have it on the switch, so I cannot stream it. Uh, well, I'd have to get a capture card, I think, if I wanted to stream that. But I can. Oh, no I've been thinking about I'm getting not, one. Not. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just curious. I'd like to play through it at some point. So maybe if I do, I'll, I'll take the plunge and stream it for VGA. Um, might be a, a good little side trip for us. It sounds interesting. It's a good time. Uh, like I, I know I've picked it up. Back in like Act Two, which has got to be something like 2013, 2014, and they just finished the last section last year. Um, so all all five acts are now complete. Is it one of these games that's made by like one person, or is it a, a team? It's a very small team. Um, okay. Like I, I know that there's like. Uh, maybe one or two main sort of like programmers designers i know that the music guy is very much into his own thing like he he taught himself half the instruments um for, for act four and five and apparently that was a major part of the reason why it was delayed for so long um but yeah like they're they're an interesting bunch of folks um, putting that one together, um, and I have a lot of respect for for their creative approach um, and just how willing they are to just you know let it be what it is. Yeah, 
Yeah, to stick with any project for that long is super impressive. Um, so yeah, super cool. Yeah, I, ah, uh, man, I think I'm almost done with my coursework, uh, for my student teaching stuff. I, I just have to go and be in person now. Uh, but I heard that we can get the vaccine. Is that true for you too, Ben? As an educator, do you, uh, do you get one? I'm in a slightly different boat because I'm uh, college. Like they downgraded me or something. I don't know. Um, once upon a time, I thought I was one B because education. But you know, since they've sort of expanded the number of people getting it, I've kind of gotten bumped down the list a bit. Um, but the good news is uh, the Weiss where Sarah works just got word that it is coming in soon. Um, so in all likelihood, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to find an opportunity just because of the practicalities of administering the, the vaccine. Um, so so I, it's a decent chance, not 100%, really, who knows, as always, but um, I have high hopes that in the next couple of weeks I will be vaccinated and can return to relatively normal me doing things. Yeah, like, you know... Going to the bagel shop again or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I have uh, Sarah and I are talking about going to the movies tomorrow. Um, after something like three years in development hell, capped off by the 2020 madness, Chaos Walking is finally coming to theaters. Um, and I, I love the, the books. Like, they're, you know, sort of working in the, the Hunger Games vein of the adolescent dystopian fiction. Um, but it was really, really an interesting sort of gimmick and a really interesting idea. And one of my favorite screenwriters is involved in the, the production. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Word. Yeah, I can't remember the last movie I saw at a theater. Uh, quick question. Is, is, it a, is it a book? Sorry. Yeah, um, it was originally a trilogy. Like the first uh, installment was The Knife of Never Letting Go. Um, and then... I, like, I read all three of them. I, I was just sort of, like, as soon as I saw that my screenwriter was working on it, I was like, there must be something to this. So I, you know, checked into the book, found the trilogy, read it on my Kindle. Like, this is like two, three years ago now. Um, but the director is, um, he's the same guy who did the, the Tom Cruise movie, the, the one where he dies over and over and over again. Um, like the science fiction oh, movie. Yeah. Um, which I enjoyed, but he is like famously behind schedule all the time. And apparently they had to do like dramatic reshoots in 2018. And then they like kept pushing it back and back and back. And then of course, 2020 happened and everything got pushed back. Um, but yeah, it's based on a series of books, which are themselves really good and like medium popular. Um, and then they cast Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland in the primary roles. Um, yeah, go track down the trailer because I imagine that will pique your interest more than anything that I can like actually tell you about it. Yeah, definitely. The we'll do. Books sound interesting too. Yeah, I, I highly recommend the books. They're they're really well done. It, it's one of those where you know, like each each installment in the trilogy radically changes the stakes and the environment and the character dynamic and just 
the, even the objectives um, that each of the characters has to face. Like, it starts as a small story and very much blows out by the end. Um, and does so really well. At first, I thought you were talking about a book series called, like, I read this one called, like, Orphans of Chaos, and then something else of Chaos. Yeah, that's um, But that's not it. Yeah. But no, it's something else. So. Yep. Patrick Ness is the author. Highly recommend him. Sounds familiar. He's written quite a bit. Um, he get he's he's out and about. So I, I, I interrupted you, Steve. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, had, had anyone else uh, heard of World's End Club? I posted oh, right. it in the common room. I didn't see that. Apparently, yeah, it's supposed to. Oh, it's uh from Uchikoshi and Kadaka. I don't know. Um, who I, I think did uh, Danganronpa or Rampa. Okay. So it's coming out uh, on May 28th on, this, on the uh, Switch. I think it's supposed to have uh, not as, as serious a tone as like the Zero um, right. Escape series, but, uh, it, but I'm definitely going to buy it and play it. Yeah, so. if it's doing T for T, and it's going to have to seriously tone down what I've been seeing from, you know, Zero Escape and, and Danganronpa. Um, yeah, yeah. Curious, all the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't heard about it. I wasn't sure if either of you guys did. And I also, we almost forgot the uh, ending of the week. So, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently, if you talk to Jackass, uh, you can get a mackerel, uh, the fish. Yes. Um, yes. And it, it, basically, they warn you to say, like, don't eat it. It's not yeah. edible. But if you do eat it, uh, <laughs> you, you, you get this message. Having consumed the mackerel, it didn't take long for the android bodily fluids to congeal. Muscle rigidity and paralysis soon followed. It was good, though, Andrew thought, as consciousness fa faded. <laughs> Exquisite even. No wonder humans used to eat them. And wow. that was, uh, what's the, yeah. Yeah, very Totally weird. worth it. <laughs> wow. Death by mackerel. Apparently. Yeah, that, it was the K ending. I don't know what it stands for. K for so how many anyway. Does that mean... They're not going in order, though, right? Yeah, I don't think we've detected... Just jump around the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, no. I... Okay. Yeah, a, a through... A through E a. is canonical, sort of. Okay. A, and chronological. Yeah. Um, but, well, I, basically. Uh, but yeah, the other probably 21 endings, I guess there's 22, because there's an extra one in the DLC. But, uh, yeah, they're just random. They have nothing, or like in terms of uh, the time of like when they happen in the game. Right. Cool. Cool. I like it. Uh, if I hadn't eaten dinner already, it would make me hungry. It would make me want uh, a second dinner here. Um, yeah, so I know there's a, another near game coming out. Do you guys know anything about that one? It is the prequel. To near automata um, apparently it was released in japan you know like 
a long time ago before Nier Automata came out, but with the success of Nier Automata in the States comes localization, so um, I believe that's that's what the deal is. Um, comes out later this month, isn't it? I thought it was sometime soon. Um, check. Cool. April, April 23rd on Steam anyway. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, plenty of stuff to look forward to then. Yeah, it's going to be a big year for games. I wasn't really expecting it, but you know, we've got Daniel Mullen's Inscription. We've got Near Replicants. We're doing a System Shock remake later this year that I'm really excited about. One of my favorite old management games, Evil Genius, is getting a sequel like 17 years after the first one. It's nuts. Uh, Steve, any... Any other new stuff going on with you? Uh, I close on my condo on uh, next Friday. Snappy. So that should be interesting. That's good. That's good. And just in time to like get out and about in, in a, in a new, newly pandemic-free world, hopefully. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, it doesn't affect me very much. I just stay inside all the time anyway. <laughs> But it's nice to know you, you could go out if you want. Right, I have the choice, right? <laughs> choice. Yeah. Can Can you guys? I don't know, Corey or Steve, either of you on a, a waiting list for the vaccine at this point? Not as of yet, no. But I'm so uh, glad that since they've started like school, that teachers have the option too. That was really upsetting me. <laughs> nice of them. Yes. Yes. Uh, I did not. I have not. Uh, my one of my colleagues actually sent me like a website where you could look up um, like local, I guess, sites where you can get the shot. Um, and I kept on trying our zip code. I'm like, dude, this doesn't work. There's like nothing's even happening. And he's like, what are you talking about? An hour ago, I I found a ton of appointments. So I guess those got snatched up pretty quickly. And then correct me. If I, I had heard that if you're a smoker, you move up in the priority list, right? I wouldn't Is that be, true in New Jersey? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know exactly how all the various factors are involved, but I know that anyone who has like diminished lung capacity for whatever reason, they, they tend to get like up to on the line as well. So asthma, um, for sure. I didn't hear one way or the other about smoking. Um, Sarah would probably know, but... I don't. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to accelerate the the process <laughs> um, and expedite it, you know, just just take up smoking. Yeah, my take on it at this point is, you know, I'm only teaching one class per week in person, so I'm only like leaving my apartment maybe twice a week, maybe three times at the most. Um, so I'm mm. I'm okay with a couple people jumping the line ahead of me. Um, I'll, I I can wait, like I can afford to. Um, so. But, and plus, you know, with Sarah as a pharmacy technician, I'm sure I'll get my opportunity one of these days. Um, I mean, she got it just today, I want to say. Um, nice. Yeah, so she's she's good to go. She's feeling kind of lousy this evening, but, um, but yeah. All right. Well, what about you, Wes? I'm, I'm on schedule to get the first shot tomorrow. Snazzy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super excited! Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. What kind? Um, what kind are you, you getting? Do you know? I don't know anything about it. 
honestly. Well, it's uh, one of the two-shot ones, right? So it's not the it must be. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it makes really up. a difference. I was just curious. Well, there is, yeah. like, the Johnson & Johnson one has apparently a lower success rate against, like, vanilla COVID, but actually a higher success rate against the South African variant. So, yeah, it's sort of like, are you prepared for what we're dealing with now, or are you going to be more prepared for what's coming down the pike? Uh, plus, the Johnson & Johnson is uh, one shot only, which makes it considerably more convenient to administer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is good news. Um, well, I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you all know how it goes. Um, Very good. I, I, yeah, I don't think it'll be too exciting, but are you back on for streaming next week, Steve? Sure. Yeah. Up. Or... yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just trying to think. No, yeah. I, I should be fine to stream next week. Yeah, we can at least look around for good, weird endings and stuff. Uh, oh, the, the other thing I was going to. Uh, for This is a question for Ben. Like, apparently they found, just like in January, some guy found. Um, like the last hidden secret in near uh, automata, which was like uh, basically after the first boss, if you go in between some barrels, like at, when you first start the game mm -hmm. and you input a code, basically your new save file has like a chapter select feature. Oh. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, so that way you don't have to play through the entire game again if you're doing a playthrough. I mean, you get to choose, but yeah. yeah, so like at zero, you know, whatever level three, it's you basically um, get access to choose any uh, chapter you want. And I would av advise against trying to fight any of the bosses when you're like level five because no, you just yeah. get smashed. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I was I was I was wondering if uh, well, I don't want to spoil, it, but. Never mind. <laughs> Teaser. Okay. Something to keep in mind, I guess. Uh, make a note of it so you don't forget for when we get there. Okay. Oh, those of us who don't know what's going on. Oh. I'm just curious. Yeah. What's in those barrels? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anything, but yeah, it's very, it's it's really interesting because it's it's like literally the first room after you complete the flying portion of the prologue, um, yeah. and you can only do it then. Uh, if you were to like come back later after completing the the chapter and try it, apparently it didn't work, um, or it doesn't work. So anyway, if something ever happens to your save file, you can always like hopefully get it back. Uh, easily. Right yeah. Anyway, I was just, I was just, I was just curious because it was I, like right before we started like talking about it in class, I had seen like uh, an article saying like near Automata's final secret finally found after four years. Um, <laughs> it seems so random, uh, but you tested it. Does it work? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. It works. Um, yeah, even even uh, Taro 
tweeted after the guy like found it and it was, like it took three years to find it. So it was like it was even acknowledged by the creator like that that was the last secret of the game. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. I guess our work here is done. Uh, all secrets have been found, but not by us. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So we'll be back to yeah. Continue again up through the weird uh, encounter with like scientist Adam uh, for next time. Uh, yeah, take care out there. You Stay too. safe, guys. Hi, you guys. Have a good one. Yeah, talk Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you guys later. Yep. <sighs>